Luke 2, 41 to 52, Jesus' visit to the temple as a young boy. This account is maybe not quite as exciting. There's no large miracles uh, like the wise men or the angels that we've been hearing about with the birth of Jesus. But it is an important account. It shows us that Jesus was very early on focused on the work that his father had sent him to do, that his goal was to preach the word. And he was going to do everything he could to complete the mission his father had given to him. For our sakes, of course. This also shows how he fulfilled the law perfectly in our place. We often refer to this as the active obedience of Christ. We a lot of times talk about his death for our sins, which is very important. But it's also equally as important that he fulfilled the law for us. His death for our sins paid the price for what we have done, but that's not enough to get us into heaven. We also have to do all that God has said we ought to do. Since we failed to do this, Jesus did it for us. And in this account, we see Jesus fulfilling both the second commandment, honoring God's name, gladly learning his word and all about him, and of course the fourth, obeying his parents. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So Jesus' parents fulfilled the law that God had set down in Moses. The Jews were supposed to journey to Jerusalem. Actually, they were supposed to journey to Jerusalem three times a year. But uh, long after the time of Moses, the Levites had uh, told the people of Israel that, well, three times might be a little bit much, so make sure you do it at least once. And according to this account, uh, Jesus' parents decided that the Feast of the Passover was the one time a year they were going to make sure they went up to Jerusalem. So that was their chosen festival. So they go every year. Jesus did not go with them until he was 12 years old. Jesus goes up to the temple when he is 12 years old. Uh, until this time, he was not allowed to go up to the temple, not being a man. But uh, the age of maturity, or the age of manhood in Jewish law is 13. It was not, however, uncommon for Jews at this time to anticipate that by a year or two and uh, bring their sons up a year or two early. And so Mary and Joseph bring Jesus up to the temple as soon as they are able to, a year in advance of when he was actually allowed to visit the temple by Jewish law. It's actually pretty incredible that Luke records Jesus' visit to the temple at the age of 12. If Luke was an imposter trying to pretend uh, later on to write this account, he almost certainly would have said that Jesus went up to the temple at the age of 13. But his reference to him going up at the age of 12 was far more accurate of the customs at that time, even though it was against the law. You notice that Mary also, every year, went up with uh, Joseph and thereby showed her dedication. It was not considered necessary in Jewish law for the women to go up to the temple. It was only necessary for the men to journey to the temple once a year. However, it was allowed for the women to accompany their men, and Mary, every year, 
uh, availed herself of this opportunity and gladly and willingly went to worship the Lord along with her husband, Joseph. And when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. Mary and Joseph make a number of false assumptions in this account that leads to mistakes and them searching for Jesus. This is the first among them that they assume he's just a normal boy. It seems they have already forgotten the angels and the wise men. Or if they didn't forget them, they certainly weren't thinking about it. They assume like any normal boy that he's off playing with his friends. But it also shows us their great trust that they had in Jesus. Imagine journeying for a whole day in the company of with many other people and never checking in on your son. That seems a little strange to us, but Jesus being the perfect son that he was, I'm sure Mary and Joseph had come to trust him very much and uh, learned that they didn't have to check up on him. And so they kind of take it for granted that he's where they think he's supposed to be. This is the same trust we see Mary placing in Jesus later on when Jesus changes the water into wine. She just puts the problem in Jesus' hand and assumes that he's going to take care of it. So they just assume he's with the caravan. By the way, it was pretty common for them to travel in large groups like this on the way back from these festivals. A lot of people went up to the festivals, and of course, traveling along the road, uh, you, there were always dangers. You never knew if a thief or robber was lying in wait, and uh, if you were alone and vulnerable, you well might get waylaid. So they tended to travel in groups like this. So they can't find Jesus. It's comes to be the end of the day. He doesn't show up for supper. He doesn't show up for bedtime. That's when they start to get worried. Eventually they find he's not in the caravan. They go back to Jerusalem. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. The CPH materials for this lesson make a big deal about some of the numbers here. Uh, Jesus being 12 years old. Well, they talk about the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. And I'm not really sure that that's justified in this account. There's nothing there to indicate there's any connection. And the three days, well, that's just how long, it seems to just be how long it took them uh, to find him. Uh, one day they wasted, assuming he was in the caravan, one day back, and, you know, one day searching for him in Jerusalem. I don't know that I would put too much into the the numbers there uh, there's nothing like i said there's nothing in scripture that would imply that there's any connection to his his death and resurrection after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers notice that jesus is eager to learn more about the word of god some people assume that uh, Jesus was simply using the questions as a way to, to teach respectfully. It's possible. I find it more likely that he was honestly asking questions. Uh, we've talked a lot about his divine nature versus his human nature, and here you see the, the two at play again. According to his divine nature, of course, he 
could have known all things and would have no need of learning, but according to his human nature, uh, he needed to grow and learn just like anyone else, although with far more dedication than your average human boy is going to give to, to learning the Word of God. Trust me on that. Done enough catechism classes. I wish I had boys that were this attentive. They usually aren't. Anyway, during his state of humility, the time uh, from Jesus' conception until his uh, resurrection, Jesus laid aside the full use of his Godhead uh, and his, the power of being God and also the knowledge of being God. He, at times he used it, but he laid aside the full usage. He didn't always use it. And so here we see an example of him laying aside that Godhead and learning and growing like any normal boy. So he's asking questions because he's eager to learn and study God's word. And all who heard him were astonished at his understandings. So when they saw him, that's his parents, of course, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. So once again, we see here the misunderstanding of Mary and Joseph. They are astonished because Jesus has never done anything wrong before. And yet here he seemingly ignored them when they were leaving and from their perspective, purposely stayed behind. Why Why didn't you come with us when we were leaving? Uh, it seems like he was a little bit disobedient from their perspective. We have to be careful about trying to judge God. Very often we think, God, why did you do this? That does not seem like a good thing. That seems like sinful or evil uh, from our perspective. But we have to remember, we often don't know what we're talking about. And it would be better if we trusted that God knew what was right. And so here too with Jesus, Jesus responds, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Notice the interplay of the word father in their question to him and his response. Mary says, look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. She obviously is referring to Joseph. Jesus says, I must be about my father's business. He obviously is referring to his true father, God the Father. And so he's politely pointing out to Mary that she misunderstood who he was and what he was supposed to be doing. She expected him to be acting like a normal boy and was beginning to think of him as the son of Joseph, a human. And he says, no, Mary, that's not who I am. I'm the son of God the Father, and he sent me here for a purpose and for a mission. You should have known that that's where I would be and what I would be doing. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. And how slow we are, all, we all are often to understand and appreciate the word of God that he speaks to us. His words are not unclear. We talk about the perspicuity of scripture the clearness of God's word, that God speaks to us in a very clear manner. The problem is we are just so slow to understand because of our sin and because of our, our refusal to actually listen to what God says. So it's not God's word that's unclear, and it's not Jesus's words here that are unclear, but our sinfulness that kind of gets in the way. But then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subjected to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men, excuse me. So before, they obviously had given him no specific command uh, to come with them. 
he did the thing that he was supposed to be doing while he was in Jerusalem, worshiping God, learning and studying God's word, and supposedly didn't know that they had left or that they wanted him to go with them. It's kind of unclear what exactly he did or didn't know about that. But now when they come back and find him and ask him and tell him it's time to leave, he is obedient to them and follows them according to the fourth commandment. And it continues to do all things in keeping with the commandments, fulfilling the law perfectly for us in, in our place. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so there we see that humanity again. According to his human nature, he grew just and learned uh, just like any other child, although he was much better at it than most other child, not being prone to laziness and sinfulness that we so often are. What a wonderful example we have. You know, you might think, well, dude, we really need to know this about Jesus. But of course, our life is one of rejoicing in everything that Jesus did for us. And we desire to know everything about him. And to, just as Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, we desire to grow in our wisdom and understanding of who Jesus was and what he did for us so that we might get to know him better and walk every day with him. And this is an important part of his life and what he did for us. So it's certainly not without its value for us in growing and in learning about our Savior.